Hey, what's up, guys? It's Michael from the Honest Youth Pastor, and this is Honest Youth Pastor Off the Cuff podcast. I want to apologize for the audio quality. Um, amongst everything else we do on this page, I have not found a good time to be able to regularly update this podcast. Um, I'm going to have to work on that a bit, but today I wanted to, uh, or this morning, really, my time. Uh, I wanted to record a quick podcast on the way to work in regards to the article that I put in my swipe of links, um, well, not too long ago at the time of this recording, but uh, it has to do with Merriam-Webster's update uh, that they did in regards to uh, sexual preference and sexual orientation and the definitions that are um, included therein. So just to catch you up in case you're out of the loop or in case you don't know what's going on and this is brand new to you uh amy coney coney barrett um during her um he, not hearing i don't know what you'd call it confirmation hearing i guess is what it is um she used uh the term sexual preference uh when they were asking about the uh, sexual uh, homosexual marriage lbtq rights that sort of thing and she used the term uh, sexual orientation or sexual preference instead of a sexual orientation. Uh, a couple people, when they were questioning her, uh, made reference to the fact that sexual preference was actually offensive uh, to those in the LGBTQ community because it infers that uh, there is a choice in the matter of who they are sexually attracted to. Uh, now, the same day that she said this, Marion Webster actually changed the definition uh, officially in the dictionary to include under sexual preference that it is an offensive term and should not be used and actually uh, directs to uh, uh, sexual orientation uh, as the correct terminology. Now, here's the thing I'm not uh, here in this particular podcast to argue uh, about, you know, sexual orientation or sexual preference. If it is a choice, if it isn't a choice, that's not what this podcast, uh, this episode's about. This episode specifically is about the implications on uh, pastors, specifically churches in general, uh, because of how that will affect those that uh, counsel, pastor, preach, those sort of things. Um, because definitions matter a lot, especially whenever, um, cases are being tried, whenever, uh, I mean, so example, whenever, uh, arrests are being made, whenever free speech or speech in general is being looked at and what is and what is not considered, you know, under the law or discriminatory or those sort of things, definitions are looked at. That's why definitions are important. Now, uh, classically, in as far as I know about church history, and uh, I'm sure there will be people that will listen to this and maybe offer um, their input as well. That's what the internet's good at. That's what we appreciate, what I appreciate about the internet in many regards. But uh, my understanding of church history is that classically, uh, Christianity, this is what I hold to, uh, states that... um, God, because he's the creator of the universe, 
uh, has the ability and does change our very nature away from sin and toward him whenever we are saved. Now, in some cases this is immediate. I've seen this occur where somebody had um, leanings, desires, uh, you know, strong addictions to things and whenever they are saved, whenever they, you know, turn their life into Christ um, and become a follower of Jesus, uh, their desires, leanings, addictions, those change. Like, uh, there's freedom. Uh, I know people that, you know, I mean, our personal testimony, there, there's freedom from sin whenever you turn your life over to Christ and follow him. And classically, uh, that's been the definition. That, that doesn't just, that's not just talking about, you know, uh, sexual uh, desires. Uh, that's, that's everything. That's how you talk. That's how you think. That's how you interact with people. It's, I mean, the, the Bible uh, declares that there is freedom in Christ from sin. And uh, we have, I mean, again, I don't have, I'm driving, so I don't have, um, I don't worry, I'm ha- using a hands-free device in case anybody is concerned about that. But I don't have anything in front of me to reference text-wise. But we know throughout Scripture we have things that are defined uh, as sin and things that uh, you know God sets us free from, from the in, you know with the indwelling work of the Holy Spirit that uh, He does in our life, um, how we talk, how we act, and this does include, uh, classically speaking, our our sexual uh, desires. So uh, you know what what we're attracted. Paul when he's listing off a list to the Corinthians, lists an entire list off and says, and such were some of you. Now that's the clearest uh, example that I can think of off the top of my head that points to the fact that uh, God, through the Holy Spirit and the indwelling work of the Holy Spirit in our lives, working in us through sanctification, uh, changes the things that we want uh, or wanted when we were in sin uh, toward the things that he uh, that he desires and wants for us. So the reason this is important is because when pastors preach uh, freedom from sin, uh, you know that we should uh, expect really that when we turn our lives over to Christ and start following Him, that there are changes in our lives, our desires change, our motivations change. Um, you know, and this includes again sexual orientation. Uh, in some cases, changes um, when we turn our lives over to Christ. Now, I know there's a large majority of people uh, within what I would define as the progressive, the progressive church, uh, progressive Christianity, that uh, would totally disagree with that statement. Uh, but just to be clear, I would totally disagree with them. I think God is big. I'm not saying they don't think God's big. I'm just saying that God. As far as I, uh, you know, see himself, he reveals himself in the Word. Um, it's clear that he created all things, and because he created all things, uh, changing someone's nature is not outside of the realm of his power. He can do that, like so radically that you are not the same person as you were before. And that is many people's testimony: is that who they were before Christ, and now who they are after Christ. Uh, is vastly different because that's what God does. God changes us. Now, the way this affects pastors 
and uh, churches in general, pastors specifically, is that when a pastor gets up to preach, God's radical change in our lives, um, because definitions matter, because definitions have apparently changed on sexual preference versus sexual orientation, even if the pastor is to get up and say that it doesn't use the terminology sexual preference, but rather uses the terminology sexual orientation, but has the audacity to say that God can change a person's uh, desires uh, and from what they are to something else, within that definition, that would be offensive. And depending on how far someone wants to take the the offense, uh, it could, over time, turn into where that particular talk, the talk saying that God can change our very nature, um, theoretically, taken to its logical conclusion, could say that uh, that is hate speech because it's offensive. It's telling people that uh, the thing that you hold as your identity is could be radically and totally changed. Now, again, uh, to be fair, this this isn't, you know, when pastors get up and we preach about God radically changing who we are, that has, I mean, sexual desires is part of that, but so is how we speak, so is how we think, so is how we interact with them. All those things are radically changed, but in particular to this discussion, uh, it would be sexual desires. Um, and according, and th- this is this is what I'm saying. I don't think this is. Um, I don't think you could directly right now draw one line, you know, one to one correlation to, you know, somebody's, you know, some pastor is going to get uh, arrested or fined because of this right now. But if you follow it, like I said, to its logical conclusion, I can definitely see how. Um, somebody could push the issue uh, to where, you know, because it is defined as offensive, that it could be pushed toward hate speech. So just keep that in mind. That's why I shared that article, because um, the idea here is that I mean, definitions are used in court for a reason, for clarification, uh, to, to, you know, as a barrier for what is and what is not acceptable and that's why definitions are important because definitions set the societal boundary for what everyone uh, is supposed to assume those you know those words mean so real quick sum up here in case I ramble too much for you uh, Marion Webster changing uh, the definition of sexual preference to include the word uh, offensive uh, to make that term offensive uh, is is one thing because now the way that a pastor speaks about the subject um, could be considered offensive especially if that pastor does not think that people are born with the uh, you know born lgbtq leaning uh with that you know an unchangeable desire Uh, on top of that the fact that sexual orientation is the assumed correct term here also built into that assumption and also said publicly uh, in, in regard in these hearings of Amy Comey Barrett is that it's something that is unchangeable and part of I- their identity that was said during these hearings uh, by one of the senators. I can't remember which one specifically. 
But the idea is that that's tied in with that. So sexual orientation is an unchanging identity. Um, now, even if the pastor doesn't use sexual preference and uses the term sexual orientation, the assumed idea here is that that is unchangeable. Even though classically, uh, pastors preach that God can change our identity uh, totally uh, from what we were into what we are. So just for pastors, just a heads up, you know, not that that is going to or should influence how you preach, but the definition is a slight change enough so that it's one more kind of little, you know, tiptoe toward this idea that even if you preach a radical change in nature, that technically, if pushed far enough, taken to its logical end, could constitute uh, as hate speech against someone's very identity. So, uh, I'd be interested in your thoughts. Go ahead, DM me over at the Honest Youth Pat or at, uh, DM me on Instagram at Honest Youth Pastor, uh, or email me at thehonestyouthpastorig at gmail.com. Uh, whichever one of those is convenient, I'd be very interested, especially if you're a pastor on your thought process here. Uh, I highly doubt it's going to change how you how you preach, but I'd be interested in your thoughts on uh, if you think I'm on the right thought process or if you think I'm totally off and I'm just assuming too much here. So guys, thank you for listening. Thank you for following. Uh, if you subscribe to the YouTube, thank you for subscribing over there to those videos. Um, interesting, interesting things happen. I'll talk to you later. guys welcome to the honest youth pastor off the cuff podcast yes you're hearing this right uh, the audio is terrible but one of the only chances i have in my day um that's free is my commute it's pretty long so you're getting another honest youth pastor off the cuff commute podcast so it is what it is right now we're here for the content the quality not the quantity. Maybe it's the quantity, not the quality. Just ignore all of this beginning. It's not important. It's ramblings of a madman. Um, this morning, uh, it's November 7th, in case you're listening to this after the fact. Everything's been decided and we all know who the president is. And right now we don't. Um, as of this recording, at least. And one of the things that has come to mind over and over again, one of the things that I've noticed within conversations that I've had with other believers, um, the same constant kind of themes keep coming up. Uh, the concerns of uh, whether President Trump stays president or whether Biden becomes the president. And these concerns seems to revolve around, um, like, you know, the perception of Christianity and who uh, the evangelical support, the church supports, as well as um, maybe in other instances, you know, the freedoms or. Um, 
the lack thereof the church will have depending on who is president. I'm not here to, to talk about, you know, as far as who I think would do a better job on either side of that. Uh, I think there's a conversation for that. But this podcast really, this episode rather, it's really talking about, I think, our perceived our perceived ideas about how everything's supposed to go within our lives as believers. I think we have like a distinctively different idea of how our lives are supposed to go than our brothers and sisters in other countries uh, around the world. And this, this isn't just talking about our brothers and sisters in communist China. This isn't just talking about our brothers and sisters in perhaps like Iraq or India or even our brothers and sisters in the UK. I mean, all of these people, all of these places face their own sets of challenges as they pursue Christ, just as we do. And as I was thinking about it just myself this morning, there's been a lot of peace that I've had, regardless of which direction this goes. I'm really really thankful for that peace that God's given uh, undeservingly in every regard to me about the situation. But the little anxiousness I do have, depending on which way it goes, I think comes from the fact that we as American believers, followers of Christ, I've gotten very, very used to the idea that this doesn't cost us anything. Like, really, like, it costs a little. I'm not saying that there aren't people that uh, have lost uh, opportunities or lost jobs or lost friends or family over their belief in Christ. Because that's happened. I know I know people in America that, that that's, that's happened to. But, by and large... Uh, American Christians haven't really had it bad at all. We've had it really, really easy, actually. And I think part of the anxiety when we deal with changeover of politics or even policy that's being looked at or addressed or judges that are being put in place or even just the general evangelical support of a candidate, I think it all comes down to Partly, our comfort. Now, just to touch on it for a moment, I do think part of that comes down to us wanting to, you know, further the gospel, have uh, the ability to to speak the gospel whenever and however we, we want to do that. And that's, I get that. That's good. But on the other side of it, if we're only pursuing, you know, certain aspects out of comfort, I think that's concerning. And I think that's where. A little bit of the anxiety is coming from right now. The, a little bit of the anxiety, if we're honest, is coming from the idea that this might actually cost us more than we want it to. Not that it'll cost us more than we can pay, because I know many Christians that if push comes to shove, we will buckle down and we will stand for Christ regardless of the cost. We're just a little anxious about that cost and how quickly it might come one way or the other. 
I think one one way that it could go is that uh, we become far too comfortable with aligning ourselves with uh, leadership and power structures. And we rely heavily on that aspect of it in order to further the message of Christ while kind of losing sight of the fact that that's not how the gospel goes forward, typically. Becoming so you know, dependent on that structure that if that structure is not there, we don't feel like we can share the gospel, which isn't true. And then on the other side of it, I think there's this concern that we will be very censored in our ability to share the gospel in many regards. I just want to point out, I think both have, you know, some basis in reality. Both have, you know, legitimate concerns on on whichever way this goes. But at the same time, whichever way this goes doesn't really matter, does it? I mean, long, long term, long term. Because the gospel is going to go forward either way. The cost of the gospel going forward is going to vary whichever way this goes. One way it'll be compromised because we will have the tendency to hold to power structures that um, help further the gospel but aren't actually the power of the gospel. And the other way is that we will not be able to more freely share the gospel as we would like in many respects. So let me be encouragement to you if I I can, if hopefully this is of some encouragement, is that whichever way this U.S. election pans out, know a couple things. One, God is in control. And two, the gospel of Jesus Christ will go forward regardless. Us as Christians, we... We really have to be mindful at all times not to rely on power structures to be the forward momentum of that, as well as not be discouraged whenever it costs us a little bit more. I think where we find ourselves right now, and I could be totally wrong, but I think I'm kind of getting the lay of the land correctly. The anxiety that I see within the church right now is coming primarily from the idea that this might cost us a little bit more than it has in the past. And we're not fans of that. And I can get that. I'm not a fan of that either. But I think we need to put things in perspective in the sense that, yes, we should fight for religious freedom, But we need to be careful about how closely we align ourselves with political powers and parties on both sides, as well as ask for peace and assurance that if and when this is going to cost us something more than just a, you know, a friend, this actually costs us our lives that we have the heart and the courage and the fortitude 
to stand up for Christ in those situations as well. I don't know how this is going to go. I know a lot of people are very impassioned and anxious about all of this. But I pray for peace for you as a believer right now. Regardless of how this goes, you continue to fight the good fight of the gospel. Again, dependent, not dependent on how this goes. No matter who's in office, no matter what that looks like, we align ourselves with Christ and Christ alone, first, foremost, and always. You guys have a good day.